Well, it's been, uh, let me get this turned on. <laughs> Not used to this. There we go. Been uh, some 30 years since I've actually spoken from the pulpit as opposed to singing from it. And uh, David had asked me to uh, do a, a sermon uh, back in, I guess it was late February. Uh, he was going to be going in late March to visit family. And then, you know, we uh, had all of this going on. And I did not know at that time how big this would be with the COVID-19. And I had chosen what is fear. Well, right now we are gripped worldwide with fear. Whether we like it or not, it's there. So what is fear? Well, fear, according to the dictionary, is uh, an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or threat. And I think we're all really familiar with that particular definition. We have seen it, we live it, and we are lived it in the past, we're living it now, we will live it in the future. So that is our base definition from the world's standpoint. There are many examples uh, that are out there, but that is what prevails in the world today, and we all experience, like I said, uh, sometimes it's real, sometimes it's not uh, what we refer to as rational fear versus irrational fear. Fear is sometimes induced by ourselves. Sometimes it, in, it is induced by others. Uh, sometimes it's by the environment. Uh, or, you know, it's, uh, it's imagined. The worst instances of fear is what we call phobias. And that's where... Examples of science comes in. Uh, a phobia is a fear of something, be it real, like animals, insects. I have a little bit of that. Uh, I love bees as long as they're not around me. I've been stung twice, both times in the back of the head. Don't want to have anything to do with them other than the honey. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> uh, Sometimes we are afraid of numbers. We see that every day, Friday the 13th. Well, that's a fear. Buildings, if they have more than 12 floors, they don't have a 13th floor. They have a 14th floor. They skip it. There's numerous examples. So we'll uh, go through what I found back in February, the top 15 at that time, phobias. Claustrophobia, uh, the uh, fear of enclosed spaces. That's number one, according to the site that I looked at. Number two, dentophobia, yep, the fear of dentists. And don't particularly like them messing around in my mouth, but sometimes that has to, has to happen. Glossophobia, speaking in front of crowds. is uh, a... Musician, that's a little bit different. We call that stage fright. 
So what we do is we don't look at the audience. We look above them at some point in the back, uh, or we concentrate on our music as best as we can, the director, whatnot. Arachnophobia, fear of spiders. Spiders are fascinating creatures. I like watching them. Don't like walking through their webs because at that point in time, I have no idea where they are. Agoraphobia. Well, it's the fear of open spaces. Some people want to be surrounded by objects or people. They don't want to be around something where there's nothing to be around. This one is, uh, this next one's really interesting. Uh, Gephyrophobia. The fear of bridges. In contrast, there are some people that are absolutely fascinated with bridges. They go around and take pictures of them. Hemophobia. We're familiar with this one. It's the fear of blood. Ornithopia. Uh, ornithophobia. Fear of birds. Aquaphobia. Fear of water. Acrophobia. Fear of heights. Pyrophobia. Fear of fire. This next one is interesting. You wouldn't think about this one. Nomophobia. The fear of mobile devices or being without them. I have seen this. It is really scary to deal with somebody that has this because I worked for a business where we repaired phones for a little while, the cell phones. We'll tell them, uh, give us about 24 to 36 hours. We'll have it fixed for you. Within 30 minutes, they're calling, is it ready? They don't want to be without it. We sort of called them uh, uh, golems. You know, it's like it's, their phone is their precious. You know, they don't want to lose it. Cyberphobia. Uh, we skipped one somehow. Oh, it's the same picture? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Cyberphobia is the fear of digital technology. Then cyanophobia, fear of dogs. And nyctophobia, the fear of the dark. That's science. And one thing you have to keep in mind about phobias is that they're instinctive. And like I said, sometimes they're induced by situations. You know, a lot of people develop fear of claustrophobia, uh, being in closed spaces because of uh, some traumatic event in their life that had them trapped. Or uh, in the case of arachnophobia, they got bit. And we have, of course, black widows and brown recluses and then anything else of the poisonous nature of spiders that can be deadly that have been brought in by accident. Science isn't the only example that we have of fear. Literature is filled with fear, specifically inducing it to a point of entertainment. And as an example, we've got Alfred Hitchcock. Some would be consider him the uh, uh, the king of 
fear. Uh, Vincent Price, he's a well-known actor. That's what he did. He, he portrayed characters in horror films. And then Stephen King here, uh, more modern day literature. Of course, literature will also include movies. We are at a time of the year now where horror movies are the thing to go and watch. A specific instance of fear in literature, it's not so much the cause of fear, but how a character dealt with fear. There is a series of books uh, in what we would uh, refer to as the Dune universe. Uh, those of us that like science fiction, I'm a very big science fiction fan. Um, the main character is being tested. And the test is to determine fight or flight through the induction of pain. And we all don't like pain. Pain will cause fear. So the main character is talking to himself. He's got that internal monologue going where he is reciting a statement to help him combat the fear. And he says, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. A lot of eyes there. He's focusing on himself. And I want you all to keep that in mind. Next set of examples are history. History is full of tyranny and terror. Most of it is induced by examples we have uh, up here on the screen. You've got Genghis Khan. Of course, he's a more older example than the other three. They're more current. Uh, Mussolini, Stalin, and Hitler. They all drove their regimes through fear. Other examples of fear throughout history that uh, are a little more closer to home in regards to what's currently going on is uh, the Middle Ages bubonic plague, or what they call to as, uh, as the Black Death. A hundred years ago, we had the Spanish flu, and now we have COVID-19. Things that we don't see cause fear. Other things that have caused fear, which the prime example here that I have is uh, in history, is uh, the Great Depression. Some of our members uh, grew up during that time. May not be quite old enough to remember one particular aspect of it was when... Franklin Delano Roosevelt was inaugurated. His first inaugural speech 
when he was elected, the line that is most remembered during his speech is that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Keep in mind that what he is saying here is we. We have. In all of these examples, where is God? We've covered self with I have nothing to fear. We've covered group. We have nothing to fear. As Christians, what is fear? What should we fear? How should we define fear? According to the Bible, what is the definition of fear? The fear of God refers to fear or a specific sense of respect, awe, and submission. It's not that we should be afraid of God, though there is some of that basic form of fear there. I mean, would you not be afraid of the events that God instigated if you witnessed them? The flood that destroyed the world because of the world's wickedness. The plagues that he sent against Egypt to bring about the exodus. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. He rained fire down from the heavens. And I read not too terribly long ago that uh, some archaeologists over there in the Middle Eastern region had found some ruins, what they believed to be the ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah. They believe that they have found those particular towns because they have found evidence of sulfur being embedded in the stonework that has been recovered. And they have tested that sulfur and found it to be 99.9% pure. And they say that that does not naturally occur. So what should we fear? Well, John, uh, in 1 John 4.18, ultimately, there is nothing to fear. If we love God and do what he commands, then there is no punishment and we have nothing to fear. For he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Or in some translations, torment for punishment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Next is who should we fear? Well, let's go through a very short list. Man. Should we fear man? Proverbs 29, 25 says that the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts 
in the Lord shall be safe. Now, there's a couple of things we can take away from this. One is, well, the physical fear. Man can, of course, do nothing to us spiritually. Oh, they can torture us physically. They can kill us. They can do things to our loved ones, things that we enjoy, love, and respect. But they can't touch what's here inside of us, the soul. So there's no reason to fear man. Satan. Well, yes, that is someone we should fear. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. And we'll just deal with verse 4 here. It says, I and I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And then after that, more, uh, after, and after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Satan devours, we know this through the verses. He seeks those to devour them. It's not a physical devouring. It's a spiritual. And finally, God. The focus for this particular lesson, because... I'd originally thought about just, you know, the fear of God. But things over time has morphed, as they are wont to do. And so I thought, let's just encompass it all. Deuteronomy 31, verses 12 through 13. Gather the people together. Men and women and little ones and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of his law and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. Other verses that uh, deal with fearing God. Deuteronomy 10 verses 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, 
Psalms 19.9 The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Psalm 111.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 8.13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the devil uh, and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 10 verse 27 The fear of the Lord prolongs days but the years of the wicked will be shortened. 14.27 The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. To turn away one from the snares of death. 15.33 The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. And Proverbs 16.6 In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. 1923. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Back to Deuteronomy 31, which I said was the main focus. We don't just be born into this world fearing God. Nor do we wake up one morning and go, I'm going to fear God from now on. It's a learning process. Just as growing up with our parents, we learn. We learn through failures and successes, punishment, reward. Eventually, as we grow up through ch- as being children, if we are brought up, and I will say this, uh, if we're brought up correctly, fear of punishment disappears into fear of disappointment. We do something wrong. And we, at least when I was growing up, you know, we got whooped. I won't say I got whooped by the paddle all the time. The paddle broke. <laughs> Split. I remember that. But there are other things, as I came to find out, that can be used. But in that learning process, I learned not to disappoint. That hurts much more than 
physical punishment. So, like we do in this world with our physical parents, our spiritual parent, God, we move from learning by punishment because we have causality. You know, we do something wrong, and it comes back and bites us. If we are taught correctly, learn correctly, that pain is not physical per se, it's to our soul. So like our parents on earth, we learn a process to where we do not want to disappoint God. We are not to fear punishment if we learn to do what is right in the eyes of God. Job as we are going through our Sunday morning class with Norman, starts off, as we know, that Job was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Well, like I said, we're not born fearing God. We don't just wake up one morning Fearing God, we learn it. Deuteronomy 31, 12 specifically says that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of his law. Well, where do we, where do we learn it today? Well, we weren't there then, obviously. Well, we learn it by example. Those that teach us. We also learn it by reading the Bible. The Bible is an instruction. It has everything that we need to know to fear God. Growing up in this congregation, in fact, most of it being in this very facility, I learned several aspects of fear, as it were. And uh, I remember the very first time I was on the communion table. I stood right here. So where am I supposed to go? Down the wall. I was so scared in a sense. Of course, now I would say it's fear per se now, but it, as a 
newborn babe in Christ, though that was very much a fearful deal up here. So where did I go? Right here, right down this line. <laughs> I learned pretty quickly. I learned, nope, that's not where you go. You go down the wall. And I thought about, what is the fear of God growing up? A long time, I thought, ooh, well, it's, uh, it's going to be obvious what the fear of God is. I heard it every time Alvis Bryant gave one of his sermons. He had a knack for his sermons. He was what we would refer to today as a fire and brimstone preacher. Convert. Obey the Lord or you will be eternally damned in hell. Whenever he got to the height of his sermon... Nine times out of ten, or I like to say 99% of the time. Didn't matter what time of year it was. He'd hit the height of that sermon, and the roof would shake with thunder. He timed it that it seemed unnaturally <laughs> that he would do those sermons when the forecast was going for severe thunderstorms, even in winter. I'll tell you what, as was growing up, That woke me up a lot. But that, in hindsight, was a misinterpretation. That is not the fear of the Lord. Not that, uh, like I said, not that uh, there isn't that aspect of fear. Uh, what would we do in Moses' place when he sees a bush that's on fire and it's not burning and all of a sudden it starts speaking to him? I don't know about you, but I think I would uh, probably run away. That's a little scary. Uh, Samuel. When he was called. He was sleepy. Well, might think that, oh, okay, maybe I'm just hearing something in my dreams then because uh, Eli didn't call for me. Told him that three times. Before Eli told him, he said, that's God calling you. Well, Eli, of course, we know that uh, he was going to be judged by God. God had already told him at some point in time he was going to be judged. And he relayed that judgment through Samuel. Samuel was afraid to tell Eli... What God had said. Jonah. Jonah wasn't afraid of God. I think to a certain extent he had a fear of God and the fact that, well, he knew that God would keep his word. That's the reason why he ran off. The crew of the boat that he stowed away on. Did fear God, but 
probably not really in the right aspect. They were afraid of what would happen to them if they did throw Jonah into the sea. Think of all the uh, ones that were around when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. When they heard God say, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Today, if we heard something like that, we'd be looking for the speakers. (laughs) I imagine some of those were very fearful. Because remember, a phobia will cause you to freeze or run away. The fear of the unknown. The transfiguration. Peter and those that witnessed it were afraid. I think I can understand that. Seeing Moses and Elijah speaking with Christ. And then, of course, the disciples, especially Peter, in his denial of Christ. Fear-driven. But those are aspects of a physical nature, not a spiritual nature. The spiritual nature is what we need to deal with. To learn to fear the Lord your God. And carefully observe all the words of his law. But there are, of course, a lot of other verses that deal with with fear. Today, though, what we deal with in the world like uh, what me and one of my previous bosses like to refer to is, of course, with our Bill of Rights, we have what is the freedom of religion. Now it has turned into free, into the freedom from religion. It's religiophobia, which, as far as I'm concerned, is the number one phobia in the world today. Not theophobia. Theophobia is the physical fear of God or, you know, some sort of religious deity. Unfortunately, the world is filled with various different religions. You have to acknowledge God. You have to acknowledge that he exists. 
to have theophobia. Religiophobia is defined as a fear or hatred of religion, religious faith, religious people, or religious organizations. And I have seen this. I have known someone that had this. I say had because he's unfortunately passed away. He grew up, I believe, uh, now I can't remember which one it was. He was a member, grew up as a member of a denomination. He threw that off. Because he did not like organized religion. And I tried to tell him, Christianity is organized. There's no chaos. God is the head. Christ intercedes for us on our behalf. And each group of the body of Christ has elders and deacons. That is an organization. Christ is our head. We are the body. The head tells the body what to do. The hand can't just go off and detach itself and say, I'm foot, like David has often said. The eye is not going to pluck itself out and come down here and say, I'm going to smell today. There's an organization to it. But we are experiencing today religiophobia. They have a misunderstanding of fear. Sometimes I think that we also have a misunderstanding. Not so much of fear, as it were. We should not fear. We should not fear as long as God is with us. That's the key. If God is for us, who can be against us? There is no I. There is God and I. There is no we. There is us. With God. One last thing that we should consider is that 
fear of rejection. We, I think, sometimes don't talk to each other about our problems because we don't want to be rejected. There is no fear to come down and ask for prayers. They can be prayers for yourself. They can be prayers for others. Don't have to come up front even for that. You can talk with any of the elders or one sitting next to you, the one sitting across from you. To ask for prayers, to ask for forgiveness. But rejection is a very personal thing. I have felt that. I've felt that from those that considered themselves Christians. And it hurt. Especially since they hit me a little bit closer to home because I love music. I like particularly singing John chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. And I was specifically told at a Wednesday night youth group at when I was going to Texas Tech. That that was not a song to be sung. I did not get up and leave. I did not say anything either, and I should have. I sat there and let it fester. And for a while, I did not attend a service. More because, not because of, of, uh, well, how do I put it? I wasn't thinking, is probably the best way to put it. I was not thinking of what should I do? Where else can I go? Fear of rejection probably did more damage to me than anything else at that time. Well, I eventually got over it because I learned to deal with it. It wasn't easy. 
but it still affects me today. I hold nothing against them now. That's part of forgiveness. I hope that they have come to a better understanding and they put themselves right with God. So there is no fear to be had in coming down and asking for your prayer for prayers for help. There's also no fear to put on Christ. If you have any of those concerns, you wish for prayers you wish or you wish to put on Christ then come down now together as we stand and sing